And now, a feature presentation. Oh, for... Oh, very well. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Get ourselves some snacks. Pop Culture Affidavit, episode 58. Movie songs! And welcome to Pop Culture Affidavit, the podcast that takes a look at everything random in the world of popular culture, which is brought to you by the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. I'm your host, Tom Panneries. This time around, I'm returning to what's become a popular podcast gimmick as of late, and that's the music countdown. I've had a couple, as have had others, and this episode is inspired by actually one of those shows. A couple of months ago, on the Palace of Glittering Delights, which I consider to be a family member of sorts of this show. Sister, brother, cousins? They're cousins, identical cousins. Or maybe, maybe not that, maybe I'm just the cheap, crass American version of that high-quality English show. Although that doesn't work, because this show is first. And I don't think Andy would want to be Ricky Gervais to my Steve Carell anyway. Where was I going with this bit? Oh, soundtracks. Um... Andy, Andy did a movie score episode. It's awesome. You should go check it out if you haven't. He counts down several of his favorite movie scores and really gives some some great, great examples, some really good stuff on that. This is not a movie score episode. No, I was inspired by Andy to do a movie music episode, but instead decided, instead of doing scores, to focus on songs. So what I've done is put together a playlist of songs that are from movies that I've always loved. I'm not doing it as a countdown. Instead, I'm just going to present the songs chronologically based on the release date of the film. And there's a couple of criteria. I wanted to make sure that I chose songs that were written for the films that they actually appeared in. In other words, there's an, there's actually a number of uh, songs that are actually disqualified for this. Um, they themselves could be, and, and probably will be at some point, their own countdown, their own playlist. I also did not include anything from a musical. There's two reasons for that. One, I'm not the biggest musical fan. And two, even out of the musicals that I enjoy, there's probably enough there for a countdown on its own. Believe it or not, though, that actually leaves us with quite a bit. Um, there have been, over the years, a number of songs that were written for a movie, used in a movie, 
and then put on the soundtrack that became iconic or associated with that movie. Some of those are on here. Some of the some music that's been on here that is on this countdown is a little more obscure, but that's kind of how I roll. So I'll start when I get back with my first selection, which will be from a movie that came out in 1962, and we'll roll pretty much up to the current decade by the end of our playlist. So uh, stick around. You are about to witness history in the making. Hi there, this is Todd from Forgotten Films, and if you spend all your time watching new releases, then you need to broaden your movie horizons. And a great way to do that is by joining me for the Forgotten Filmcast. We don't talk about the new releases, we don't even talk about the classics. We talk about the movies that time forgot. On each episode, I'm joined by another film blogger to discuss a film that may or may not be worth rediscovering. So look for the Forgotten Filmcast on iTunes, Podomatic, and wherever you find great podcasts. Generation Star Wars is speaking up and sharing its story. I'm Andrew Leyland. I'm David Michelini. I'm Tom Panneries. I'm Steve Glosson. I'm Matt Hunsworth. I'm Scott Gardner. I'm Ryan Shaw. I'm Paul Herman. I'm Jimmy Mack. I'm Ryder Waldron. I'm Justin Bulger. I'm Joseph Tavano. I'm John Jackson Miller. I'm Concetta Parker. I'm Steve Sansweet. And this. And this. And this. Is my Star Wars story. Is my Star Wars story. My Star Wars story. My Star Wars story. My Star Wars story. My Star Star Wars story. My Star Wars story. My Star Wars story. My Star Wars story monthly at mystarwarsstory.com and available in the iTunes store. Welcome to Regal Entertainment. Refreshments are available in the lobby. And please Keep our theater clean by disposing of trash in specified containers. And remember, gift certificates are available for any special occasion. Enjoy the show. And I'm back. So let's go ahead and get this playlist started with a song from 1962. It's a song that won Best Song at the Oscars as well as the Record of the Year and Song of the Year at the Grammys. Moon River. Moon River has become a standard and a part of what you could call the Great American Songbook. It was written by Henry Mancini and Johnny Mercer and it was sung in the film Breakfast at Tiffany's by this film's star, Audrey Hepburn. I happen to have a copy of Breakfast on Tiffany's on DVD, although I'll admit that the years have not been kind to that movie. 
There's some great kitsch value, and Hepburn and George Papard are excellent, but it's very hard to get past the incredibly offensive role that Mickey Rooney plays. I mean, really hard, and I'm not saying that from a liberal PC perspective, which I have. It really is uncomfortable for just about anybody. Still, putting that aside, the movie is fun, and you hear her sing Moon River, and it it will stay with you, and that's why I've chosen it. Uh, So from 1962, here's Audrey Hepburn with Moon River. There are a number of songs that have completely transcended their films, and one of the best examples is the 1967 Mike Nichols film, The Graduate, and its most famous song, Mrs. Robinson. Now, the version you hear on the album Bookends and Most Greatest Hits compilations is the single version. From the film, the soundtrack are two tracks, one called Mrs. Robinson and one one is called the Mrs. Robinson Reprise. Uh, and, And here are both of those. So here's Mrs. Robinson.
And here's the Mrs. Robinson reprise. A little bit different than what you're used to and just for the heck of it because i love the song so much here's the single version
In 1977, a film was released that was so important and captured the zeitgeist so well, it came to help define the era and made a superstar out of its lead actor. I mean, you cannot mention the late 1970s without thinking of this movie. But Tom, you might be thinking, there are no songs in Star Wars. And you're right. But I'm not talking about Star Wars. I'm talking about John Travolta, a paint can, and the Bee Gees. From Saturday Night Fever, here's Stayin' Alive.
Fame was a song I was familiar with as a kid because it was one of the songs featured on my favorite record when I was in kindergarten in the first grade, which was The Chipmunks Go Hollywood. I think I also saw an episode of the television show at one point, but I didn't see Alan Parker's 1980 film until VH1 put it into constant rotation in about 1997 or 1998. That film is actually quite amazing. It's cheesy in parts, yes, but it's intense, it's heartbreaking, it's electric. Its theme song is used in one of the most movie's most memorable scenes. That film is actually quite amazing. Yes, it's cheesy in parts, but it's intense, heartbreaking, and electric, and its theme song is used in one of the movie's most memorable scenes. From the soundtrack goddess of the 1980s, Irene Cara, here is Fame.
I'm going to be spending a decent amount of time in the 1980s, as I tend to do. And here I'm going to play a song that not only plays over the opening credits of one of the funniest movies of the decade, perhaps all time, but also has become synonymous with the family road trip. From 1983's National Lampoon's Vacation, here is Lindsay Buckingham with Holiday Road. Elizabeth Daly, or E.G. Daly as she is sometimes credited, was a mainstay of 80s teen movie soundtracks and even makes an appearance in the 1985 Savage Steve Holland film Better Off Dead, where she sings the song, this song at a school dance, a scene highlighted with one of the funniest ever fat guy attempts to dance scenes courtesy of Dan Schneider. Here is One Way Love.
I think if you boil down the 1980s teen movie soundtracks to three songs, there's In Your Eyes and then these next two on the list, both of which are from John Hughes films. The Peter Gabriel song wound up being taken from this album, So, so that came out prior to Say Anything. These two songs, however, weren't just for the films they're in. Moreover, when you hear them on the radio, you instantly think of these movies. The first one is one you always think of when you think of John Hughes films, and that is Don't You, for parentheses, Forget About Me, by Simple Minds, which opens and closes The Breakfast Club. And go ahead, raise your arm in triumph while listening to it. We've all done it at least once.
The other Hughes song is from the first of two films that Hughes wrote and produced with uh, Howard Deutsch at the director's helm, and this is Pretty in Pink. If You Leave plays over the final scene of the film, which takes place at the prom, where Molly Ringwald's Andy finally gets the happy ending that is so much the Hughes fairy tale. What's notable is that the song plays under the entire scene, which is several minutes long. It actually loops at least once. Hughes had a great ear for soundtrack, even when he was off his game. Personally, I think that has a lot to do with his background in advertising as much as it does his ability as a filmmaker. It definitely shows here, too. Here's Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark with If You Leave.
If Irene Cara is the 1980s movie soundtrack goddess, then there is one man, and only one man, to lay claim to the title of the god of 80s movie soundtracks. That man is Kenny Loggins. And no song to me is more awesome than this one. I can still picture myself flying my G.I. Joe Sky Striker around in my basement while it blared from my cassette player back in 1986. From Top Gun, let's take a ride to the Danger Zone.
I will admit that there were two John Cafferty and the Breaver Brown Band songs that I wanted to put on this list. This one and On the Dark Side, uh, which is the iconic theme to the cult classic Eddie and the Cruisers. But I did an entire episode about Eddie and the Cruisers, so I wanted to highlight this one, which is Hearts on Fire. Uh, This is not only from Rocky IV, but it is in one of the most important portions of the film. It plays over the training montage. And that's not just any training montage. That is the training montage prior to Rocky's climactic fight with Ivan Drago. And not only is it a training montage, but this is the training montage that showed how America was going to win the Cold War from the movie that won the Cold War. While Drago used the latest Soviet athletic technology and steroids to train for the fight, Rocky braves the elements and trains by chopping wood hanging upside down so he can do sit-ups, lifting his family and friends, and literally running up a mountain to scream, DRAGO! It is some of the most awesome physical training ever put to film, and Hearts on Fire makes it all the more awesome.
I, I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, this is the fourth movie song from 1986. I honestly think it's just a coincidence because I first paid attention to the music from Highlander in the early 90s, right around the time the syndicated television show started, and this song, which opens the film, was used as the theme song to the television show. Highlander does not technically have a soundtrack album, uh, although Queen provides the music for the film. Instead, the band's 1986 album, A Kind of Magic, serves as sort of like a soundtrack for the film, as most of the songs in the film are on that album. The notable exceptions being Hammer to Fall, which is on 1984's The Works, and a version of New York, New York, that as far as I know, was actually never released. Also of note uh, about A Kind of Magic is that the album's opening track, One Vision, is also featured in the film Iron Eagle. But uh, this song has always stood out because it's been it's bombastic, it's epic, and while it doesn't have the campiness of Queen's Flash Gordon work, Every time I hear it, I want to pick up a sword and yell, There can be only one. Here is Princes of the Universe.
As I made the list for this episode, I discovered two things. First, as I mentioned, a lot of the songs I remember being great in movies were singles on or on albums before they were being used in a movie, and therefore I'm going to do another playlist somewhere along the line. Second, I keep coming back to movies that I've covered on this podcast or on the blog, which of course is why this episode is heavy on songs from the 80s and 90s. I have other reasons for that. I'll get to that later. But anyway, no look at the early 1990s and early 1990s movie soundtracks would be complete without including Cameron Crowe's singles, which is the alternative grunge soundtrack and which has so many songs on it that it was hard to choose. I went with Waiting for Somebody by Paul Westerberg, one of the first solo songs from by the former Replacements frontman. Westerberg did a lot of incidental f- music for the film as well, and it follows a motif that this song really does set. It's the better of the two songs on the soundtrack album, and here is Waiting for Somebody. Somebody, somebody, 
The Tom Hanks Denzel Washington film Philadelphia opens with a rare soundtrack contribution from The Boss. And this rare contribution won him the Academy Award for Best Original Song. In his book Songs, which Springsteen published in 1998 to coincide with the release of the Tracks box set, he writes, One afternoon in 1994, I received a phone call from Jonathan Demme. We'd met a few years earlier on a video shoot. Jonathan was calling to ask if I'd consider writing a song for the film he was currently directing called Philadelphia. The film was about a gay man's battle with AIDS and the fight to retain his position at a prestigious Philadelphia law firm. I had set my studio up at home in Rumson for a few afternoons. I went in with some lyrics I had partially written dealing with the death of a close friend. Jonathan requested a rock song to open the film. I spent a day or two trying to accommodate, but the lyrics I had seemed to resist being put to rock music. So I began to fiddle with the synthesizer playing over a hip-hop-influenced beat I programmed on the drum machine. As soon as I slowed the rhythm down over some basic minor chords, the lyrics fell into place and the voice I was looking for came forward. I finished the song in a few hours and sent the tape off to Jonathan, figuring I hadn't gotten it, but to see if he had a use for it anyway. He phoned me in a few days saying he loved it and placed it over images of the city of the Philadelphia at the top of the film. Streets of Philadelphia was a hit because of the film and because it addressed something that the country was attempting to come to grips with at the moment. How do we treat our sons and daughters confronting AIDS? How do we provide them with the acceptance and compassion that overcomes prejudice and ties disparate communities together? Here's Streets of Philadelphia. Night is falling, I'm lying awake I can 
feel myself fading away So receive me brother with you Faithless kiss or will we Leave each other alone like this On the streets of Philadelphia Years ago, I wrote a blog post about this next song. I'll link to it in the show notes. And while I know that it only plays over the end credits of Reality Bites, it's still important in that I was it was the first song by an unsigned artist to go number one. It's one of the reasons that that film soundtrack was more successful than the film itself. From Reality Bites, 1994, here is Lisa Loeb and Nine Stories with Stay, I Missed You. Stay. 
Speaking of film soundtracks that transcended the success of their films, Empire Records tanked at the box office. But its soundtrack album did incredibly well, mostly due to the success of the song Till I Hear It From You by, G- by the Gin Blossoms. Funny enough, that's actually not one of my favorite Gin Blossom songs. What I've chosen instead is this one by Coyote Shivers. He plays Burko, and uh, this song is performed at the end of the film. The film version is slightly different in that it also features vocals by Renee Zellweger as Gina, and that one is slightly cleaner than this, but the soundtrack version is still great. From 1995's Empire Records, here is Sugar High. She's just another groupie slut And I said I'd fuck you with anything But think again Sometimes reputations outlive their applications Sometimes fires don't go out When you're done playing with them That feels so funny If I could possibly get more obscure than the song I just played, it's this one. This is probably the most obscure song on the list. Although it has always stuck with me because of its use in a pivotal scene in Kevin Smith's 1997 film Chasing Amy. It plays during the Holden and Alyssa breakup scene when they fight in a parking lot at an ice rink after their fight over uh, finger cuffs, if you're familiar with that particular film. The band's name is Cole. And the song, second song on this list with this title, the song's name is Stay.
I did promise that I wouldn't put any songs from musicals here, and, well, I think South Park Bigger, Longer, and Uncut isn't technically a musical, but I need to include this because it actually is indicative of how original motion picture soundtracks really took a downward turn in the late 90s and never really recovered. Now, I'm not talking about the soundtrack to this movie. I'm talking to the soundtrack of every other movie out there. Part of the issue is that most of the really good soundtrack albums at the time were actually more like glorified compilation albums than original albums. Or there was that really awful music-inspired-by label that was basically meant that whatever the record company had some sort of single lying around, they wanted to push it, and they pushed it onto the soundtrack. Jewel never sung a, sung a song for Batman and Robin, by the way. Um, furthermore, while I have nothing against Disney... If you look at the Best Original Song Oscars from the late 90s, so many of the nominations were from Disney or Pixar films, or they were written by Diane Warren, who was, the, who was responsible for so many shit-tastic songs from the late 90s. She's practically the antichrist of songwriting. What does any of this have to do with South Park, you ask? Well, in 1999, this song was nominated for Best Original Song, and it should have won because this and other songs from the film were some of the best and most original songs I've ever heard in a movie. Did it win? No. That award went to some Phil Collins song from Disney's animated Tarzan movie. Here's the song that should have won an Oscar. Blame Canada. Times have changed. Our kids are getting worse. They won't obey their parents, they just want to fight and curse! Should we blame the government? Or blame society? Or should we blame the images on TV? No! Blame Canada! Blame Canada! With all their beady little eyes and flapping heads so full of lies! Blame Canada! Blame Canada! We need to form a full assault! Get your hands off! Don't blame me for my son Stan! He saw the darn cartoon and now he's off to join the clan! My boy Eric once had my picture on his shelf, but now when I see him, he tells me to fuck myself. Well, blame Canada! Blame Canada! It seems that everything's gone wrong since Canada came along. Blame Canada! Blame Canada! They're not even a real country anyway. My son could have been a doctor or a lawyer, rich and true. Instead, he burned a black a piggy on a barbecue. Should we blame the matches? Should we blame the fire? Or the doctors who allowed it to expire? Heck no! Blame Canada! Blame Canada! With all the hockey hum of a low. And that bitch and Murray too. Blame Canada! Shame on Canada! Somebody 
two reasons that I don't have much on this list after the mid-1990s are that a lot of the songs that have been memorable just aren't my taste, but also that I've noticed that the orchestral scores to movies have made a huge comeback and seem to have a bigger impact. Falling Slowly from the film Once is a song that was nearly disqualified for the Academy Award it won because technically it was it was performed and recorded before the film it was on. But the Academy decided that because the song was written for the film and because the prior public exposure during the long period the movie took to produce had been minimal, it remained eligible. When the duo who sings it, Glenn Hansard and Marquetta or Ergova, sorry, performed at the Oscars. It was one of those rare times that a musical number at the Oscars is actually memorable and not laughable. Here is Falling Slowly.
a lot of Academy Award nominees and winners for Best Original Song in the last two decades have come from kids' movies, especially, as I mentioned earlier, films by Disney and Pixar. This is one of the rare ones that is not from either of those companies, and it's also the most recent film on my list, The Lego Movie. Its use in the film is as the most popular song in the city, and its producer, Mark Mothersbaugh, says that it was supposed to be like mind control early in the film. It's totally irritating, this kind of mindless mantra to get people up and working. Here are Tegan and Sarah and The Lonely Island with Everything is Awesome. Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of a team. Three years later, I shot the frosting. Smelling like a blossom. Everything is awesome. Stepped in mud, got new brown shoes. It's awesome to win, and it's awesome to lose. Awesome to lose. Awesome to lose. Awesome to That'll do it for the movie song playlist. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, there's definitely enough room for volume two. There's definitely enough room for a variety of different type of movie song playlists here and there. I will not turn this into the playlist podcast, but doing this once every six months or once a year is always fun. Uh, if you're interested in seeing, uh, listening to those songs, there is, I've posted uh, YouTube clips to the show notes so that you can listen along. 
And if you are interested in giving me some feedback, suggestions, anything like that about the songs from this episode, please do email me at popcultureaffidavit at gmail.com. Go to the Facebook page and check that out as well. I will be back in a couple weeks with just a little bit more of that DC Comics series that I'm wrapping up. And coming in March, I will have my next episode, which is going to be comic book oriented, and it's going to be a huge coattail riding episode regarding Batman and Superman. So come back for that in about 30 days or so. And until then, thanks for listening and take care. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Affidavit. All clips and media are copyright their respective copyright holders and are used for review and illustrative purposes only, so no infringement is intended. Feedback can be sent via email to popcultureaffidavit at gmail.com. You can also follow the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash popcultureaffidavit. For more content, including show notes, media, and essays, be sure to check out the blog, which can be found at popcultureaffidavit.com. This podcast is a proud part of the Two True Freaks Internet and Radio Network, which is a division of the Demanza Corps of Milan, Italy. You can support all the Two True Freaks podcasts by using the Amazon.com link at twotruefreaks.com whenever you shop. Thank you for listening to Pop Culture Affidavit, and come back next time for more pop culture randomness. (laughs) 